0: This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minici.
1: Well, Jay, we're doing our 269th episode, so I hope our quality has not started to suffer. <laughs> Uh, because, uh, this one is a, this is a request to review this week.
0: Requested Requested review.
1: review. We like to do a good job when someone steps up to the table and makes a donation for a request to review. And this week it's Ryan Fry. He, uh, suggested a band called the welcome mat and their 1993 album. Graham. Jay, were you familiar with the welcome mat?
0: I was not. In fact, when I was reviewing this record based on the album art, um, I thought the band was called Graham. (laughs) Uh, Not as any matter anyway, because I'm not familiar with the band called Graham or the Welcome Matt. So there you go. Nothing lost. Nothing gained. Nothing lost. The word Graham is really big on the album cover. Right. It's really small. So
1: um, he emailed us. Ryan said uh, he started listening to the podcast about a month back. Um, he works at night and uh, he listens to podcasts and started uh, checking out ours. And um, he found the Willfully Obscure blog, which is a great blog um, that uh, we've used for reference over the years, finding information, finding bands. There's uh, MP3s up on there. And he found us through the Luster episode uh I had posted, I think, in the comments. They had there was a note up on that blog about Luster, and I we had done the review the first season, and he I think he found us through that. So he suggested the Welcome Mat's album, uh, Graham or Graham's album, the Welcome Mat uh, from nineteen ninety three. <laughs> I think Graham is a better band name, don't you? Possibly, but it might have been taken. Yeah, um, he said uh, it's one of the uh, many gems he found on the blog, and it's up on YouTube. You can listen to the album there. He said, try to A-B it with some of the later Posies material from the time. Like, Everyone's Gone with Solar Sister or Graham with Hate Song, etc. It works surprisingly well. These guys were all very talented players. And the songwriting is definitely there. I haven't heard much of their follow-up record, Lap of Honor. But from my understanding, they had already broken up once that before then and did so permanently after. Early singles and EPs are also a real treat. Plus, they're Australian, Jay. So what's not to like?
0: Right. I picked up on that a little bit.
1: And uh, they're from Sydney. So two weeks in a row, actually, we're talking about a Sydney band. Last week, we talked to Jamie Hutchings from Blue Bottle Kiss, Sydney band. Mm -hmm. And uh, this week, back to back, the welcome mat. Just a little history on this band.
0: History of the band.
1: As mentioned, they formed in Sydney, Australia, in 1989. The main singer-guitar players were uh, Wayne Connolly and Corey Messenger. Uh, They uh, added uh, drummer Peter Bennett and bassist David Moss uh, to do uh, play bassing and drums on some early demos, and then they actually became a band at that point. Um, So they formed in '89. They started gigging, put out a single. Uh, signed to regular records in 1992. They released an EP spare and then started recording in 92, uh, Gram, which would come out in 1993. Interesting note on this record. So it was produced by um, Sean Slade and Paul, I always, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, Coldery, who I believe produced Quite a few big records um, for Dinosaur Jr. They did, I think they did the first Radiohead record. They worked with Sebado, Hole, Warren Zevon. I mean, they, they had a pretty good. There's many more bands. Um, I think they're part of the Ford Apache studio in uh, Massachusetts. And uh, so lots of uh, influence by um, American. Uh, bands in the production you can hear that uh after the release of this record then they signed to mercury in 1996 and released their second album lap of honor which was actually produced by uh a member of the hoodoo gurus a band that we reviewed a couple years back and that's the history of the welcome mat uh the guys have gone on to do other things with other bands but we we, uh, we don't have that info. I just know that they have.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I don't know what. <clears throat> uh, so. Really let's... ran out of gas there. Yeah, I did.
0: <laughs> I ran out of info is what happened. We're, we're sure the members went on to do the other things, but we don't have that information. Feel free to fill us in. Yeah.
1: Let's talk about what Ryan uh, brought to the table. He mentioned the posies. Mm-hmm. um. Other bands that, you know, Dinosaur Jr. was mentioned as a, as a contemporary. Another band that I heard mentioned in uh, on the Willfully Obscure blog when I was reading was Teenage Fan Club. Um, and I want to get into some of those influences, Jay, when we're talking about uh, what we liked and what we didn't like. Uh, I figure I'll start with this one. Uh, in the, t- Taking in those influences, Teenage Fan Club, posies Dinosaur Jr., Um, one of the things that I liked about this record was the guitar sound. Um, It's big when it needs to be big. It's got a big power pop crunch that you would hear on a Posey's record or a a Teenage Fan Club record. And there are times when it gets a little crazy. I'm thinking of like uh, the solo in Death Bag. it's, It's almost like a noise solo. Yep. It's just like feedback and and just kind of manipulating the guitar to get the sound rather than playing you know notes on it just sort of manipulating uh, the amp and the guitar. i felt like uh that and then like in uh track 11 junk mail there's this really cool intro and there's some cool like doubled guitar leads that are going on in parts of the song again like the guitar playing is interesting enough and not over the top it's it doesn't get ever that song actually reminded me a little bit of sloan in some of its uh production and some of its sound which one uh, track 11 junk mail especially the junk intro mail, with the yeah. hand claps and stuff r- reminded uh, me of some uh yeah some some sloan stuff you can hear and, that yeah and um so that's that was something that stood out to me as being a, a really interesting aspect of this band is is the guitar playing the guitar tones the guitar uh, uh ag- aggressiveness on certain tracks yeah <laughs> What was something that stuck with you on this record, Jay?
0: Well, I like that it was—it had power pop elements, but I don't know if I'm ready to call this a power pop band or record. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's certainly moments and there's certainly songs that would fit that, but they're—they're they're a little more diverse than that. I feel like, like I almost think of them as just an alternative band, um, which was. Interesting. I, I like the variety. You know, I think there's a lot of power pop that we've reviewed on this show, and it's very much, pretty much, you know, the records tend to be within one sort of sound. Um, mm-hmm. And that, for whatever reason, in that genre, they sort of find the formula. The bands tend to find the formula and they stick with that. And you get a whole, you know, really tight, usually, you know, if it works out well, you get a really tight, compact record that follows that formula and it's executed great and it and it all works and it sounds like that band i like that they get a little noisier or a little looser sometimes a little janglier like you said with the guitar for example the first the first song has you know a pretty traditional like hard rock almost metal-y guitar solo i mean it's got like yeah. fast licks and you know, you get it right out of the gate, like, oh, wow. Between that and the riff in that song, you know, right away, like, this is a competent guitar player. Mm-hmm. Then track two, you know, the guitar solo is pretty much just noise. So right away, and it, it starts to mix in um, from there, acoustics, and you get a lot of guitar textures. And, you know, it goes from being sometimes the... Um, the, dis- the, the distorted guitar will be the main focus, you know, it be riff based. Other times, I, you know, there's a couple songs where it'll come in just as texture, like really distant in the, in the background um, and kind of add a, a fullness and a darkness to a chorus. Um, and it's not about it. You know, it's not really about that heavy guitar. Um, it adds some weight, but it's not the focal point. Right. Um, and they play with like what the focal point is. You know, sometimes it's the drums. I found a lot on, on several of these songs, the drums will be mixed really loud. And it's sort of like a drum uh, vocal thing where you're focusing on that as the main thing. Other times it is the guitar riff. Other times it's, there's a couple moments where the bass really comes forward and uh, provides cool counter melodies. Um, so I really enjoyed the variety within, I guess, the largely a, a power pop alternative or alternative pop format but um i I dug that aspect of it
1: i think the thing that tilts it in the power pop in 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 this the posies is a good comparison is the is the when they do the harmonized vocals um they're so much stronger than when they're on their own Mm -hmm. that that really those songs really make it To me, maybe the the record in whole is not you know power pop, but there are certain songs that definitely are in that genre, and when they hit the sweet spot on certain songs, I'm thinking like All or Nothing Mm -hmm. is a good example. I mean that could be that could be on frosting on the beater i mean that song yeah
0: that's a it's, it's a standout track on the record too yeah it's and that it gets to yeah frosting on the beater or that notion of you could hear a band write an entire album with songs that sound like that
1: But mm-hmm.
0: uh, this is just one of their songs you know they go from that to death bag which is a very dark almost plotting at times kind of a ballad yeah Dang. it's actually one of my probably one of my other favorite songs on the record uh, with a really odd lyric um, i yeah that i had a trouble with some of the lyrics on the on the record i kind um, i liked it i didn't had no idea what the hell he was talking about but the wiper face with an oily rag keep her safe inside my death bag yeah i was like, like what the hell what he's talking about but I, that's kind of cool <laughs> like it's a it's an interesting uh visual i guess um yeah, I I, know, I have no idea what that song is about, but uh, it's kind of a cool, dark um, tune to follow up All or Nothing, which is just pure, you know, Posey's almost early Goo Goo Dolls feel.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think on the flip side, the songs that don't feature the harmonized vocals are the ones that are, to me, the weakest. Um, like Track 5, Play Me. I really thought that, like... That song, especially at track five, like ground to the album to a halt for me. Whoever is singing, I know there's two vocalists. I don't know which one is singing that song. Whoever it is, it's I don't know if it's like the tempo of the song matched with his vocal or the key it's in, but it just like and and the the lyrical choices are all very obvious, like the rhymes and the and the allegories and alliterations and whatever you want to call them. Whatever's going on, in those like, I could have picked him out from a mile away. What he was gonna say at, when he started each line, how he's gonna finish it, because they all felt like super obvious. And it was like, and I was like, what just happened? The first three songs in this record, or four songs, like, boom, love it, love it, love it. And then it hits that song, and I was like, w- did, did I just switch to a different band? Like, did, yeah. Did you feel that
0: at all? It's a little pedestrian. I mean, yeah. it's kind of just like that, that's where I got with the times and maybe overall like they're they're just like an alternative band. Right. Um you know that sounds like an, an alternative song. Like I don't even want to say rock song because it's you know most rock makes it turn into like a harder edge and it's not. Um it, it kind sounds of like, like a throwaway watershed song. Yeah, or like an attempt to kind of do like an R.E.M.E. kind of thing but not really getting the you know, the whatever, the character of that band. Right. It just yeah. It it sound it also you notice on that tune the the main vocal is very um nasally. Yeah. You know, it's kinda all up in here. And when you do a harmony that works out great, but if you do a whole song with that vocal with limited harmonies and a lot of a lot of words, if it's a very wordy song, mm-hmm. it gets um gets a little much.
1: Yeah, that's. I think that's what it was. Is that I didn't mind his vocal, whoever it is, in the in the harmony, but when you separate it out, and it it just did not work for me, and that's why I like the music to Junk Mail. I don't love the vocals to it. It just. Again, it's it's that vocal by itself just does not work as well for me. It works a little bit better because that song is better overall, and I I do like uh, w- w- separating the two singers. The other singer sings the closing song, track twelve, blue, and not yep. the color blue like blue chunks. And um, I thought he did he does a much better job singing solo. Now it's a different because it's acoustic guitar it's a mellow song it's it's a different feel but i felt like his vocal is much more comfortable by itself than the other singer so I-
0: I would agree. Yeah. That song gets um, into a bit of a verve kind of sound to me. It sounds a little bit like uh, is it Richard Ashcroft. Yeah. It has a bit of that kind of tone to him. Um, yeah. I uh, i like, I, but I found their vocals to be interesting enough. Mm-hmm. Like they they, they borderline slightly annoying. Um, and the harmony ends up saving it, but not to the point where it, it turned me off. Um, I actually found it usually to be um, different enough to keep me interested and in not quite knowing where they were going to go all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. So I
0: think Junk Mail is a good example of. Uh, I love the I love that chorus. Just so sort of the the way that that melody is put together, it's
1: mm-hmm.
0: not expected and. I think works really well um i can also I'll, I'll also hear that on a mink record yeah so i dug that It that, that song is also probably the one song on the record where you can hear a little bit of the big star maybe threads um in terms of like the looseness of it and just the way that it's constructed and some of the heart the melodies and whatnot but uh you know, I prefer something like that to, I think, to blue, which felt a little bit uh, just more straight ahead.
1: What do you think of the title track, Graham? I, I just mentioned it because it has a little bit different of a feel in that it's a slower song, but it's still a rocking song. Um, and it, and the, the slower stuff previously on the record and and blue is not necessarily rocking, but there's a guitar. Part in this song, I can't quite place who it reminds me of, but like clearly one of the guitars is playing like a distorted chord progression, and then the other one is doing like this chi- high picking. Um, that's like kind of chimy, and I can't think of who. I don't know. Did did that remind you of anybody? I guess it kind of had a Dinosaur
0: Jr. feel. Mm. Yeah, it gets it's pretty thick, like yeah. Dinosaur Jr. Definitely. I mean, it's the most layered song on the record, probably in terms yeah. of guitars. There's, there's probably a couple distorted and then an acoustic. I think through most of it. Yeah, I like it. It's it's a cool um, it's a cool mix of what everything the band does really well. You know, it's got the that that uh, chunky guitar that you mentioned earlier that I think we both enjoy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's got a lot of melodies through it. Um, it's they kind of do this. Um, they're almost like ballad feels, but they're not ballads, <laughs> right? Like you know, they're not slow songs, but they—they're um, not. You know, that song's not a fast tempo, but it does have some energy to it. You know, you don't it doesn't put you to sleep. Um, I think there's a lot of that kind of thing on the record. Which there's one thing I, I struggle with from a big picture. It might be that just the amount of uh, stuff on here that's in the mid-tempo-y kind of feel. Mm-hmm. You know, when well, they see- do pick, pick up the energy, it helps a ton. Like, I struggled with Leap of Faith.
1: I think that was one of the ones where it, it kind of was, like, in between slow and mid-tempo. Has this, like, a little bit of a swing to it. Yeah. Um, and they're using, like, clean guitars with, like, a tremolo effect. And I, I, it almost reminded me of, like, a... An attempt at like a jellyfish song or something, um, but like not technically proficient, um, especially with his vocal on that song. I just, it just didn't come together for me the way that the rest of the record did.
0: I liked it. I liked the uh, kind of the offset drum thing that's going on there. Um, that's the song that, if you listen closely, when they get to the chorus, there's this distorted guitar. Mm-hmm. Re- really just fuzzed out but it's really often the hand out in the distance it's kind of a very cool effect it's it's um feels like not 1993 and i think that might be one of the best things i can say about this record is that it doesn't feel like 1993 to me like what um, year does it sound like i don't know i don't know it I guess it has a 90s feel, um, but it doesn't. It's not a lot. You know, there's a lot of records we listen to where you're like, wow, this, okay, this sounds exactly like what was going on at that time. Right. Um, This does just enough from a production standpoint and from a just a presentation standpoint to keep you guessing. There's moments where it sounds earlier than that. It almost sounds like late 80s. And there's other moments where it sounds later than that. Um, so. I think this is a good example of a song where, just production-wise, it's not what I would think of. Maybe Jellyfish, yeah, I guess you could say that. But they were so not typical of the '90s. You know, their production in that band is just such an anomaly, right? Um, so um, I enjoyed that aspect of it. You know, it sounds like um, well, like we've talked about the show. You know, we've listed a lot of the the best. Um, Sort of pop, alternative, power pop stuff from the from the '90s, and it sounds like a mix of all of that. I even heard like on track two a little bit of like Midnight Oil um, influence in there. Um, it's kind of a slappy drum, up tempo kind of thing um, with some Posie's harmonies, but that energy kind of reminds me of that's where I kind of get the late '80s, early '90s alternative vibe
1: yeah i got that i mean there's definitely an 80s alternative indie sound i mean the band was formed in 89 and putting out singles and and this was came out in 93 so you know they're not that far removed from late 80s alternative and you know obviously the bands that we all mentioned that we are that have been mentioned uh by people in dinosaur jr and we're not even getting into like the Australian uh, right. influences necessarily, but those are all going to be you know '80s bands, so it makes sense that there would be some like '80s alternative influence. It's a little more jangly, it's a little you know the, the okay. guitars a little more chimey than being uh, you know grungy sounding. So that, right, that I think totally that makes
0: sense. Right, I think that's what kind of thrown me because when the guitars do get um Chunky, they're not Smashing Pumpkins or Alice in Chains or Nirvana. Like, they're not in any of those camps. It's almost more like, uh, well, like Luster. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like that first song especially, I was like, oh, this kind of reminds me of that Luster record, Um, which again, like, from a guitar standpoint, that album doesn't sound like many other 90s bands (laughs) either, so... um, I think from that aspect, going back to how we started the review off with the guitars, I think that is a big part of what keeps it compelling and um, not locked into any particular sound from the 90s.
1: So, Jay, let's give our overall ratings on this record. Were the album better EP or decent single? Where do you lie?
0: I'm at a worthy album. I like this. I like this a lot. It was kind of unexpected. Um, I think there's a lot here to continue to um, appreciate and hear. Um, I know that, you know, some of these songs run me quite a bit, you know, to the second or third time I listened to them. So yeah. Uh, and it's not, uh, it's not overly long. It's 12 songs. They're all, the three-minute range. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty quick listen. Um, I'm not going to beat them up over that like we do a lot of bands. So, yeah, I think it's a worthy route. Worthy no, there's one.
1: no fat. I don't, there's no fat on these songs. Yep. Um, but I'm going to disagree. I'm going to go yeah. EP. What? You. <laughs> yep. I'll dare Disagreement. you. Disagreement. How dare you. I'd take half the record. I'd go tracks one, two, three, four, seven, and 12. I'd put them on an EP. Now there's four songs that I'm like, eh, they're okay, but I don't. If I didn't hear them again, I wouldn't care. Bastard. And then there are two that I really don't like. So six songs on an EP. That's it for me. Jay, I think it's an album. So disagreement has been filed. It's been a while. I been agreeing want, too much recently. Want a divorce. Okay, well, this is we're me. going to speak through our lawyers on future episodes. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be that'll be entertaining. Just send letters to each other. Yeah, exactly. You're Mr. Minichi. Please describe <laughs> your opinion on Trap Track One.
0: <laughs> Enclosed is my review.
1: <laughs> we need to thank our suggestor. Mr. Ryan Fry. This is a very interesting record. Uh, he knows that uh, we appreciate uh, the, the rock and roll from Down Under. So uh, this is another one that we can add to our, our list of uh, interesting records that we've had the opportunity to check out. And, of course, if you want to request an album for the 2016 season, you can head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com. Go to the request review page and make that request if you want to join us at Patreon, you can sign up at the two fifty level and in twelve small installments, you'll reach the same amount as the one-time installment for 2016, and you'll be able to but, pick an album for 2017. By 250 you mean two dollars and fifty cents. Two dollars and fifty cents. Not two hundred and fifty dollars. We would not turn down two hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> just so it's you know. Uh And, of course, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. Just want to remind everybody, at Patreon, we put up bonus clips from interviews that we don't include in the regular interview. We do advanced previews of episodes. We poll our, what we like to call our board of directors, for choices of upcoming albums that we should review out of people's catalogs. We did that with the Suede record that we did earlier this year. And uh, other things... That uh, only the Patreon subscribers get a, it. You can start as as low as a dollar a month. So we appreciate that support greatly for all the folks who are currently subscribing and helping us pay the bills here at uh, digmeoutpodcast.com. or dig Me out podcast. Not dig Me out. Well, pay for the website, but also the uh, everything else. So uh, Jay, that's it. We're done. We're out. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.
0: Thanks for listening. You can support the podcast by becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com backslash digmeout or requesting a review for the 2016 season at our request a review page at digmeoutpodcast.com.